Welcome, friends, to this newest episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast Book Club, where with great power comes great responsibility. I am your host, or one of the hosts, Ben Magnet, and I am joined by my bros with the Fake Nerd Podcast, Brandon T. McClure. Hello. Sparks Witty. I just watched Brandon react to the word podcast in the tile there, and I'm like, I mean, it's in the logo. It's in the <laughs> logo. So. <laughs> it is what it is. It is. And Ryan Eliopoulos. Clone, clone, we're all clones. Clone, clone, clones. Clone. Okay, we'll we'll get into it. But when I read that, I read that like the SpongeBob bald, bald, bald. Uh, anyways, but yes, this is my pick for the newest edition of the Fake Nerd Book Club, and I picked Miles Morales: The Ultimate Spider-Man Volume One Revival, which is oh. written by Brian Michael Bendis. It is inked by uh, Sarah Pacelli, Mark Brooks, Andrew Hennessy, David Marquez, David uh, Lafuente. The artist is the artist. They're the artists, excuse me. Uh, the colorist is Justin Ponser, and letter is B.C. Corey Petit. Um, let's just uh, talk that artist thing real quick, because not all those artists are really on all these That's issues. That's for one issue. Um, for for Spider-Man 200, what it is, is that uh, David LaFuente, Sarah Pacelli, Mark Brooks, and Mark Bagley, and Andrew Hennessy, they're all on those like sequences where people are wondering yeah. what would Peter Parker's life be like? Because mm -hmm. that issue is in this volume. It is issue 200 of Ultimate Spider-Man um, before this change really happened. Um, the last like 30-ish issues are with Miles, but it's still just called Ultimate Spider-Man. But like there was all this retitling. When you get to the end of issue 200, you can see all the separate series and everything. Um, it's kind so, of like ascending So off. this was like yeah. a celebration. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but Dave Marquez is the majority of the art. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, and fantastic arc, by the way, too. But guys, a little bit backstory of why I picked this book. As if you've been listening to the Fickner podcast for a while, I have finally not only played, but beaten Spider-Man Miles Morales on the PlayStation 5. Um, I was I've been in a Miles Morales mood. I on Netflix uh, into the who had or... who had the end of 2023 uh, in bets. Uh, Brandon, that's you, right? We owe you all the money. <laughs> no, I had 2024. <laughs> Oh shit! That's right. That's right. I think you just thought my was TBD. <laughs> Damn, really? You guys took bets on when I would finish Miles Morales? No, no. That's why that bit was so clunky. Oh, I'm but, glad you yeah, finished. Yeah, but yeah, I, I've been I've been in a, on a Miles Morales kick because, of course, early in the year, Across the Spider Verse, fantastic film, and I've been wanting to. Do I've been wanting more Miles Morales, so I'm like, you know, let's go with the Miles. There's like a bunch of Miles Morales books. I essentially threw a dart, and this is what we got. And I will say, I want more. I really sure. do. Um, this was back in the heyday when Bendis was still really. I'm not gonna say that Bendis isn't good, but back when Bendis, I felt was like almost to his peak, or at least around his peak. Maybe if I'm wrong, Sparks, because I know you read a lot more Bendis. I, than I'd I say have. this is. I'd say this is more like the the beginning of the sunset. It, the, Okay. Yeah. Um my 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 history with this goes deep. We'll get into it. Um mm -hmm. uh uh in hindsight, I probably should have guided you to a different volume. I tried to. Okay. Yeah. I tried to and we'll get into it. Uh, uh damn. Because it. because this is not this is not well, a good jumping on one, point. It's well mm -hmm. it's not it's not really a story about Miles as much as it as I think what you were looking for. Yeah. Like this yeah. is very steeply a story about Peter in this universe. 
Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I think. Look, I haven't read as much Ultimate Spider-Man as Sparks or Ryan has. I did read quite a lot of it, and I actually ended up reading this entire this entire volume as it was coming out in print, because um, I was working at the comic book store at the time. It's very easy, just like, oh, I have downtime, just read this issue. So I ended up reading uh, this entire run up until the thing, and I read a lot of I read a lot of the Peter Parker stuff. I read some of the some of the post Ultimatum stuff, um, but I think this might be Bendis's worst decision, bringing back Peter Parker. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I forgot. I was hoping like there was gonna be like the twist and that it wasn't. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm gonna t- I wanna like we can talk about our history because I also read I read all all Ultimate Spider Man. Of course, it's been a long time, so like my memory's not great on it. It's you know it's been over a decade. But I was reading this as it was coming out. Like Brandon, I was working at the comic shop at the time because now we're old enough. We're like it's almost like ten years ago. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so rereading this after now and this isn't a humble brag like having read all of miles morales spider-man up to current because he hasn't had that many he's had books but not that many like not, not, as, many as, not as many as like spider-man with like over oh, like thousands yeah. like miles has like maybe like 100 comics and like that's not that much i i do wish you would have picked the one that i recommended the newest the cody ziggler run from the modern era because it is a miles morales book written by a black man it's a miles morales book where it has his own villains uh, it's a Miles Morales book that actually feels unique. He has like an electric sword. It's very like shonen inspired. Uh, but we're not talking about that book. We're talking about this book. But this book, I think it fails Miles because it is so it is so Peter centric, including his villains and all the side characters. It doesn't it doesn't allow Miles to really breathe as a full character. I think the weird thing about this is because this is like labeled as like, you know, it's a new launch and it puts Miles name in the title of the comic. And it is more steeped in Peter's world than all of the previous issues in the ultimate run yeah. that involved Miles had been post like the immediate aftermath of Peter dying. Like all of that was about Miles's family. All of that was about everything going on with him and his world and introducing Genki and establishing them and him meeting Katie uh, and all that stuff. And that's his world. And then they title this as a Miles Morales comic series now. And immediately it's very much centered around the the orbit of Peter Parker, which is just so weird in like looking back on. And I didn't, I didn't think about it at the time, at the time, at the time I was put off by, I think Bendis got uh, too wrapped up in knowing the ultimate universe was coming to an end. Um, It's alluded to in one of the issues here. Like everyone, first issue. Yeah. Yeah. First issue. Everyone knows that the universe is about to come to an end. And so I think Bendis decided he wanted to swan song the world of Spider-Man he created rather than Miles. And you could chalk that up to him knowing Miles would live on past it. So he didn't feel like he needed to do that for Miles. But it does make it so like this last year of uh, comics with Miles is very much not about him in the way that it should be. Now, does Bendis write the series? Yeah, that's the that's the Miss so, the Miss Marvel. So, real quick, this is a Bendis tradition in all of his comics. It's not not the multiverse stuff, but guys getting arrested and yelling about nonsense like that is a staple in all of Bendis comics. Also, Bendis is in this comic. If you notice, he's one of the detective yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. which is also something that all happens a lot, which is really funny. Sorry, Brandon. Well, um, I I was thinking that like, the Bendis writes this the series that immediately follows this right after Secret Wars, doesn't he? Yeah, I got him to sign my copy of it. Yeah, so like, I think at that point he knew that the that he could still continue Miles' story, but not in the Ultimate Universe. And right. 
I don't hate the idea of bringing back the Green Goblin. Uh, yeah. actually, no, I don't either. I think that's pretty cool. Like Miles having to face the Green Goblin, but having to, but also bringing back Peter really hamstrings Miles' storyline to just being now this is all I'm doing is freaking out that Peter Parker is alive. And right. that's really it. And that's such a disservice to this character. And it's, so, and it's so weird because that's not how Bendis was writing him up until this point. Well, well and, and so many and so many of these issues, just to your point, so many of these issues have to be filled with Peter Parker supporting characters in a way that, again, the previous like 20 or so issues had not been. It's like all of Miles' like buildup was kind of washed away just to return. It's maybe because Bendis knew this universe was ending, so he wanted to give Peter Parker like a better ending. But like, I think he, but like, he had a good ending. <laughs> Yeah, like him dying is like it's a sad ending, but that is an ending. Uh, remind me, Ben, because I forget. I know we've talked about it a lot, but you did not read. You've not read where Peter Parker died. No, in Ultimate I was Universe. thinking. Of, I was thinking about picking that because I wanted to know, you know, what happened. All I knew was that Peter Parker died. That's that's all I knew. Yeah, um, it that's an incredible comic, and yeah. I, I would love for us to do it one day because um, that that thing that thing in Fallout, which is the, the ultimate, story ultimate that comes Fallout. right after, yeah. which really mm -hmm. introduces Miles, because like the death of Peter Parker is all about Peter, and then you Fallout know what? I was it's like everybody else and Miles. Go ahead, Ben. Damn it, I was this close to picking Fallout too because I was thinking about it. I was like, nah, I just I, I should have. Damn it, I should have done that. Is, no, no, no. T to be fair, I would have told you if we're doing Fallout, we kind of have to do the death first. Yeah. Um. You they mm -hmm. they go as a pair. You kind of need both for context. Um. Th that's why I've kind of shied away from it in the past. Um, but it's it's such a the point I wanted to make to you is it's 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 a comic that I've gone back to a lot. It makes me cry all the time because I was so uh, in love with this iteration of the character and and the the comic world that surrounded him. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful ending. And because again, this is the Ultimate Universe, a lot of characters die in the Ultimate Universe, and they can say dead. Yeah, and they can say dead, but they're not generally as powerful and emotional as the death of Peter Parker. There are a couple in the Ultimate Universe that are pretty high up there, but but none that hit quite as hard as this did. Yeah. Um, the decision to reverse it always bothered me. Um, I was... Just awful. Now, now that you told me that this... Because I didn't read past issue five. I right. wanted to, but did not. Because I was the whole time thinking this is a clone. This is a clone of Peter Parker, but he's tricked into thinking he's he, the real one. He could be. It's open-ended. He uh, has all of his all memories. of Peter's memories, and the first person he sought out was Mary Jane, and they went and checked Peter's grave. This is like literally the issue after this volume, yeah. And there's no body there, but that could uh, mean a lot of things. That, can that mean doesn't got, necessarily got mean dug up. that could yeah. mean that someone else took his body for experiments or to clone. He wakes him. up on a cold slab in a, in a science lab. So like it but could be a clone or it could be his body. Like, it's, But an and, abandoned one. So ambiguous. he can't ask anyone any questions. So he could be a clone that has all of Peter's memories and is ostensibly Peter, or he could be the real Peter alive because Norman is alive. Right. That's um, the, that's the, the, the big thing that this comic is trying to kind of make you think is that because Norman even says in this, in this comic to, jo to Jonah that like, Perhaps it's the goblin formula that created the that created the three of us, the two Spider-Mans and me, that we're is keeping us that we're immortal now. Yeah. And so so that's kind of like the clue to to to, to them being the to him being the real Peter Parker, but there's also the ambiguousness of it could be a clone, but it's not really I think the intention at the end of the series was that it's not supposed to matter. Yes. Yeah. I do think that's it. And I think it was a way. I ultimately think what it is is that ultimately. 
that mm. Bendis wanted to give Mary Jane and Peter a happy ending. Yeah. Um, because their stories pretty pretty well thought out and woven through. I really like there's a lot of things I do like in this comic. We're kind Absolutely. of talking about like the garbage that that went on in context around it. Um, and while I will say like fundamentally the Peter Parker coming back part of the story bothers me and always has because why only two years later undo such a perfect emotional passing? I really wonder if it was, if editorial was involved at all. Could be. Even um, though the line was ending. I, yeah. Um, that's the thing is like knowing the end is coming. I do feel like he just decided he wanted to do a better wrap up on. And, and it could have been something where he might not have done this for, for years longer. Yeah. And it was something he was thinking about doing. And there might have been like a longer uh, window than two years before Peter came back into the into the field. Yeah. Either way, um, that's the decision that bothers me. But what I was going to say is Mary Jane has that moment where she's talking to Miles when he's asking about telling Katie the truth. And she says, um, it's kind of like asking her to marry you. Yeah. And like, you're bonded for life. The moment he told me that secret, like, you kind of can't go back from that. And like, you are connected. And like, even though Peter and Mary Jane were not always romantically together in the Ultimate Universe, she was always a major factor in play because of that. And like, I think arguably more well executed than like, you're comparing a lot of years here, but like a general average of how they interwove Mary Jane without it being about romance. Certainly in, in the, the modern era. In the modern. Because I literally just read like 100 issues of Spider-Man from 2000, 2007, and that's the, that's the best shit they've ever done. But that is, again, almost 20 years old, 15 years at this point, right? Yeah, but but uh, Bendis had a, had a good stance on keeping Mary Jane a good friend to Peter, yeah. despite romantic shit getting in the way of the two of them. Yeah. Um, I think this comic has a lot of really great moments. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't love it as a whole, but then this is like when he's really popping, like he's really funny. And like the stuff with Jonah in the Goblin, I really like that Jonah just flat out shoots him. And like yeah. you know, maybe I could be a different person. I, said, I don't do no, dude. Nobody kill you. Like yeah, Jonah. oh Jonah, Jonah. Actually, I uh, going to issue two hundred just because I want to talk about some of the interactions. Right, there. right, right. Jonah pulling up to May's house and not able to go inside, I thought was so good. I yeah. the I really like everything they do with Jameson pretty much post ultimatum. Um, Jameson becomes a far more interesting character in the Bendis universe. Um, they do things with him that they'll just never do in main Marvel. Um, and you get a lot of that here, which I really like about this volume. You get a lot of like Jameson's not the same Jameson. Uh, yeah, I, he's um, been. I thought I took a what picture, but I guess it didn't. There's a line where, like, or oh no, I think I, oh no, it's gone. Uh, <laughs> where he's sitting behind the very first uh, 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 news that are told of Spider Man's a menace, and he's like, I only want the truth from now on. And he's like, I know it's behind me, <laughs> but I'm a changed person. <laughs> yeah. like, actually, I wanted to. Since we started talking about Jameson, I actually wanted to highlight that scene for a bit because that was actually one of my favorite scenes in this whole book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is how Jameson in the very short amount of time. Because we all know the stereotype of J. Jonah Jameson, that he hates Spider-Man no matter what universe. He hates Spider-Man and he'll and in your brain it'll always be J.K. Simmons. Or JK or a guy who sounds almost like J.K. Simmons. Yeah. And the whole bit about the get the story, I want the story, and everyone's just silent. He goes, I know it's behind me, shut it. It's just hilarious. And how Jonah's changed. Yeah. This this Jameson is probably the reason why I don't like the MCU Jameson. Mm, sure. uh because i don't like the the alex jones ness uh, of the mcu right. jameson who's very much like right-wing conservative i hate spider-man but like this is the kind of jameson that i really like to read um, um 
I, I'll tell you, Ben, um, just because I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it before, maybe off podcast, but um, we're never going to read this comic for the show because it's not a good comic overall. But there's a thing called Ultimatum that happens in the Ultimate Universe. Killed everybody. And it's, and it's a, Magneto sends a giant wave that drowns New York. The important thing about that for the Spider-Man characters is that's where Jameson changes because Jameson is in one of the buildings that's being submerged and he watches Spider-Man diving into the water over and over again to get civilians out and nearly dying. And he sees it with his own eyes. Like he's watching it happen as New York is struggling. And Jameson fundamentally goes, I'm a bad person. I've been wrong the whole time. Our yeah. city is suffering and he's right there. And like it changes Jameson. And he has a changed relationship with Peter's Spider-Man for the next like two or three years that Peter's still alive in the series. Mm -hmm. um, and it changes his dynamic. And then of course, get to Peter passing. He publicly learns that was a 15, 16 year old kid. Uh, being Spider-Man that he was picking on. And so all of that gets even worse, even after mm -hmm. he started to change the way he talked about him. So it's a really great arc that you're getting to kind of the end of here mm -hmm. yeah. uh, with Jameson, like really championing truth, feeling this guilt. I think what's beautiful about it though, is that May recognizes that about him mm -hmm. because he couldn't have been driving to that party without an invitation from her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's what's so great about it is May's like, I know how much you care about him now. Yeah. And Jameson, he still has that. That's it's, it's the guilt. It's the years of guilt. He still, even though he was better in the last like two years of Peter's life. There's a lot of negativity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That issue 200. Uh, I think, I think that is a good issue. Uh, it's just oh, everybody yeah. remembering, especially having so many different artists. Uh, it's basically like they're at a they're at Peter Parker mem uh, memorial. Uh, like it's been two years, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna celebrate his life." And all the friends show up, and all the superheroes, and it's like, "What do you think he would have been if he if he was still alive?" And like, "Oh, he we'd be the Ultimates," and like, "Oh, he'd be part of the Spider Police," and like, all those different splash pages were beautiful, yeah. dude. Like all the top notch Spider Man artists are on this book, well, uh, they're celebrating all, Spider Man. They're, they're all the people who have worked on the Ultimate Spider Man yeah. comic up to this point, yeah. And they kind of get to like showcase their eras more or less in the art style. The, uh, uh, I forgot Kitty Mark Pride. Brooks was a part of this and like, he's he's so good. The Kitty Pride one is one of my favorites. I love yeah, the Kitty Pride one because, <laughs> because she can't, she can't talk about it. And like Kitty Pride and Peter is another thing that I really like that like Ultimate Marvel gives us because they date for a while. Yeah. Um, and like Peter is like intermingling with the X-Men a while because of it. And the X-Men are like judging Kitty for doing it. And it, it lasts for a long time, even as they're not talking to each other, that Kitty still loves Peter. She has never met another person that she loved as much as she loved Pete. Um, Although she's going to give Bongo or whatever his name a second Kong. try. Kong, it looks Kong. like. I don't remember that guy at all. My memory's so bad. <laughs> That's the whole thing is that like for her, she just, she tries to date other people. Just never, just never really it's got not past, past her still really loving who peter was there's a great line and like one of the one of the the people say but it's like if peter got to live in like 10 15 years he would be the one he would mm -hmm. be the biggest superhero mary jane, mary jane yeah and like he could be like he would be the best of all of us but she's also saying it because that's what nick fury says which is also okay, really yeah. excellent that's in fallout um nick fury comes to mary jane and and he's crying and he's like uh when i roped him in i wanted him i wanted him to be the best i wanted i thought he was going to be the the guy like he he had the best spirit of us um and that i think find that so <laughs> that was what was so great about the ultimate spider-man line was that it, it was so clear that like he was he had the potential to be the best hero um like 
bar none. And like that was kind of what Bendis was saying about Spider-Man just in general, that he is like the best superhero out there. And and but because Ultimate Ultimate line didn't have the same restrictions editorially that the rest of the Spider-Man line had, it was actually a possibility that this could happen, that this Spider-Man could grow up and lead the lead the Ultimates, and he could be the best, even better than Captain America. He could be the best of them. And then he was taken from them. And it becomes such a tragedy. Um yeah. It's a really great, it's a, it's, it's a really solid like way to write your character, write your Peter Parker. I want to tell Ben a fun fact because Ben, Gwen Stacy's in this book. Oh, um, yeah. She gets featured pretty well. Would you like to know what Gwen Stacy is at this current time? Yeah, I would. So earlier in the run, Carnage kills Gwen Stacy and then Carnage kind of like has a mind wipe situation on a piece of itself that reassimilates as Gwen Stacy with all of her memories. So Gwen is dead. That is a carnage incarnation that just remembers its whole life as being Gwen there's, Stacy. There's like this iconic page from, from one of the Ultimate Spider-Man uh, issues where like it's it's like carnage Gwen and it's just like horrifying. And it's like, it's it's this, it's this thing trying to be this teenage girl. And I'm like, y'all, man, that's that's what I could I, I forgot it. Arguably, <laughs> arguably like the first place where they started Marvel in general, started playing with like Gwen as a superhero thing because she kind of like starts mixing her carnage powers, trying to be like Peter um, and then decides that that's just too destructive for her. So she stops using her powers altogether. I want to highlight so... the art real quick, real quick. David, hold, hold up. Oh, sorry. Yeah, carnage Gwen. Yeah, yeah. So... Genki made out with Carnage? Genki made out with an iteration of Carnage that believes it's Gwen Stacy, yes. I mean, when I was reading this, I just thought, cool, Gwen Stacy's not dead in this version. That's in this universe. I was okay with that. I mean, I was going to give all the props to Genki about essentially him wooing Gwen Stacy with whatever Lego set he built. Older lady, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as the kids would say, he got the Riz. Did Did you watch all of Heroes, Ben? All of heroes? Uh not all of it. Okay. But at I, a certain I think at the end of season three, they kill they kill Nathan Petrelli. Sorry, spoilers for yeah. the whole show. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. They, okay, I remember and they that reprogram bit. they reprogram Siler's brain to think that he's Nathan. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what a show. That's essentially no. what happened with Gwen. <laughs> okay. Wow. What a show. I'm kind of glad I, I stopped sometimes, watching. Sometimes things should end. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you try to write a show during a writer strike. No, I, re- I just yeah. remember that was season how... three. That was post writer strike. I know, but this the the fallout from the season two, man. Sure, sure. The ultimate yeah. fallout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just anyway, remember a lot of times just, that, that I, sh- was Siler was trying to be like, "I'm, I'm a your brother. I'm not your brother. I am your brother. I'm not your brother." You know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, we're not talking about heroes. No, um, no. I just I, mean, uh, I, love, I love the carnage. I love the carnage, Gwen. Uh, uh, factoid because like you're so deeply far away from it that none of the characters are ever going to reference it again. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Um, but yeah, it's like not only that, but also Genki, like the issue one, he's not talking to Gwen anymore. It's like, dude, she literally gave you, she kissed you twice, gave her, gave you her number, call her. It's this, they happen like close to each other, but like, it feels like there was just like, like a cutoff. Like we're not going to think about what kind of happened in the past. Like we're just gonna yeah. do more. Like it's like it, it, it's like a weird disconnect. Like immediately reading it. Yeah, but, uh, but it also is like it, it also is immediately important because they do reference it. 
and Peter was outside at the very end. Yeah, you get that like shot of someone oh, in the bushes. It's a creeper. Yeah, I was like, now, what the hell? Remind me, two hundred comes out after Galactus attacks the world. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, and then we and then the relaunch happened. Cataclysm. Yeah, yeah Galactus. Right. Galactus shows up in Cataclysm, and then there's basically like right after Cataclysm, it, it's like, hey, uh, so behind the scenes, you got like a year uh to wrap up the ultimate universe so get on it and so all the people are like oh neat okay and it doesn't feel like anyone was even prepared once secret wars happens like they they were told they're gonna wrap they need to wrap it up but it doesn't feel like anyone did what's so funny is if you look at the cover like if you look at the issue 12 cover it's time runs out one month until secret wars a lot of books had those those titles but they had it for six months mouse had it for one month so yeah. it feels like they had like he wrote eleven issues. And he's like, "Oh shit, I have to wrap this story up." And that's what it feels like if you read this whole book. If I remember, <laughs> if I remember correctly, like the very last story in the Ultimate Universe before they dip into Secret Wars is all about the Maker helping uh, Sue deliver her and Ben Grimm's baby. Oh God! Um, because Miles Morhamis shows up and says that yeah. any world where Simeon's where Simeon Storm and Doctor Doom get together is a bad world. Mm. What, a, what I love comic books sometimes. I'll never forget Miles Morales. <laughs> yeah. Galactopus. Ultimate Galactopus. Ultimate I'll never forget Galactopus. So, David Marquez. Uh, incredible shit. I, his Goblin is so good. His Goblin. His, uh, and yeah. Justin Ponder on colors. Rest in peace, Justin Ponder. He passed away. Uh, uh, incredible book. Uh, Bendis and Marquez would go on to work on many more titles. I guess they did uh, Iron Man together. They did Invincible Iron Man. They did an International. They did, he did C- uh, Civil War too. Not a good book. Boy, that book looks good though. Holy shit! When you get a premier artist on an event book, they, that turns from like a ten to like an eleven. Uh, but David Marquez's art is so good. Uh, I just wish. I this happens with Bendis sometimes when he writes a lot of characters, especially young characters. They start to sound very similar. And one mm-hmm. of the problems I have with with this book is sometimes it just feels like two teenagers talking, but none of them really have a real personality. It's just, it's quip central. And like, I feel that sometimes when it's with Genki and Miles, I don't, it's unfortunate because again, like it's taken like almost like 10 years of Miles Miles to get a person of color to write him and to give him like more like authentic flair than a white guy trying to write a black person. Yeah, credit credit where credit's due. Like, you know, Bendis had to do it for the character. To no, of course. Exist no, of course. Like, he also yeah, created yeah, yeah. Riri Williams. Like, I'm not, I'm not bashing the man. No, but no, I'm no. Just like, no, no, no. I know you're not. Yeah. But like, it, it is one of those things where like, you know, there was no opportunity for someone of color to create a character like that. Yeah. In space. They, it wasn't going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so like, that's cool. It, it would have been even cooler if Bendis had, as Brandon pointed out, to like Bendis carrying on when he goes into the main Marvel universe. If Bendis had said, I really think maybe someone of color should write the character now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I, I like Miles in this book. I don't find him to have a strong, like, unique personality. He kind of sounds just like a young teenager. And I guess maybe because, like, I guess not all young teenagers are fully developed, but I feel like. Like when he's ta- when everyone when all the teens are talking, they all sound very similar to me. And this is a problem, the problem. Bendis sometimes has with teen books. This is the problem when Bendis went to do Legion of Superheroes that I had because he very much when he first started writing the Spider Man, he was much closer to a uh, to teenagers at the time. I'm not saying he was like I'm sure he was like thirty something, maybe even forty. No, but that's still that's like that's our, he's our, he was our age. 
he he knew how teenagers sounded, but as he continued, he got further and further away from it. And so when he was writing Miles, it kind of still was he kind of got away with it a bit more because he he originated Miles, and so it was still kind of the voice that you were familiar with Miles. But um, but it was still by that point he shouldn't have been doing this anymore. And when he went to do Legion of Superheroes, I had this problem. I had the same problem that like every one of these characters sounds exactly the same. They all sound yeah. like a teenager from from 20 years ago, not a teenager from today. And like, none of this is working for me. Um, and I don't, I, and Sparks is absolutely correct. Like once secret wars happened, Bendis, he went on to do Iron Man. He should have said, all right, I'm not going to write miles anymore. This was my yeah. miles Swan song. I'm good. And I think he, I think he, he, he writes a great Tony. Uh, I think like, there's a lot of great characterization. Like I think his Norman is really spooky and mm -hmm. good. I love yeah. the way his Norman yeah. is. Uh, his J. Jonah Jameson's great. Uh, Maria Hill being like a fun detective. Like, Miles, get in the car. I know who you are, bro. And like, that's great. I love that. Um, it's just like, after a while, I, I want to identify more with these characters. Like, who are you? Who are you uniquely? And I feel like a lot of the teenagers, like, y'all are teenagers. Like, I don't feel like Miles really, really gets his own personality until like the movies. And pretty, then comics after. A pretty good example, and like you can feel the disparity that's happened if you've read it in Bendis's writing, is that when you're in issue 200, Ben, um, you get Bobby and Johnny, um, the Flame Boys, and and uh, uh, oh, I, I couldn't think of it. And you got Firebird, Fire, Firestar is there too. Firestorm. Um, so, so for for a while, a, a, like a whole period, I think a, a whole year in comics, um. Uh, Bobby and, and Johnny both were living with Peter mm -hmm. um, and uh, because of different, like Bobby rebelling against the X-Men and Johnny rebelling against the FF um, and and like, I think the FF had completely fallen apart at that point, like nobody knew where Reed was and thought he was dead. He's making shit. At that point in time. <laughs> um, and so uh, they're living with Peter and um, Bobby and Johnny felt, di felt dynamically different in that run. Here at issue 200 if i didn't visually see them yeah, yeah. i didn't know which one of them was talking for, yeah yeah when, or someone didn't when, say something explicitly like bobby or like you were in the x-men or something like that yep the, the one of the flashback one of the uh one of the not like the flashbacks i want to i was i was on this page for a while because i wanted to highlight it but i'll switch to a different thing um they're talking about this page um where it's like yeah. oh yeah peter was still gonna kick ass i'm like i don't know who's talking who is yeah. this? That's Bobby. I'm asking you. Who is this? Yeah, it, it's yeah. Bobby and and Torch could have been interchangeable with their yeah, yeah, totally. Is this Bobby? Yeah, it's Bobby. Okay, thank you. Um, and because he like goes write, he goes to write the new X Men too, where he brings the original five teenagers back, and Bendis wrote like that. He wrote X Men for a couple years. That yeah. book I like a lot. Also, they sound very similar, and like it happens. And and so like. I so like I really like I'll highlight the page because I think when he's funny I think when Bendis is funny he's very funny like like the don't get hit by a car immediately almost gets hit yeah. by a car yeah um, but also like when they're just like um when Firestar Human Torch and uh, Iceman are go are are going and they all meet up and he's like ah oh, there's too much fire on either side of me and I'm gonna Boop. and I think like I'm that's okay. really just like I'm okay I think that's really funny and it's yeah. cool that you know it's a cool like. You know, we got Spider-Man and his amazing friends uh, and, and kind of the, the ultimate way and in the original way because we have Firestar and Human Torch. Um, mm -hmm. I think that that's all really good. But like if they're not on fire or on ice, I don't know who they are. Yeah, I just, it reminded me of Frozen when like when Bobby is ice surfing. He has two fire heroes next to him. and He just like falls down. 
Yeah. There's a, a we have two villains who are like Spider-Man villains. They they, yeah. they 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 nothing happens with those characters in the in the next volume really. Like as far as I like I just read it and I don't, and like I don't even remember their outcome. I'm like They're... they feel like he had an idea and then he's like I got to wrap this up because like the next volume deals a lot with his dad, spoilers. Like a lot with his dad and that stuff's really good. I really like the King, like it involves Kingpin and S.H.I.E.L.D., but it like takes away from the overall story and then it immediately ends because of Secret Wars. So it's really, it's it's a really messy second volume. Yeah. I will definitely say those two robbing Spider-Man, I completely forgot. Like once Norman entered the picture and clo- and not clone Peter entered the picture, I completely forgot about the other two. Whereas I would yeah, yeah. say they were more of a detriment to the book. Um, and also hearing you guys talk, because I, w- I won't lie, when I first read this we last night or this morning i was enjoying it i was engaged i had fun reading this book i liked it and made me want more miles morales spider-man but here you guys talk about it i was like oh is my taste bad or something no no no, no. don't ever no, don't. i think you have just like I, you have less context as well so like yeah. jumping in yeah. and like it's i think it's let like me, it's a good book it's just you know let, let me because that was quite triggering to me ben um oh, sorry I no not not because like I also suffer from the same problem when we when we're on here and and I start thinking oh is my taste bad I never ever ever want you to think that I'm telling you right now Ben uh, for I want I'm going to tell you the same thing that I wish someone that I always wish that someone would tell me and I would listen to because I get told it often and I never listen um, never ever ever think that your taste is bad if you like it you like it context be damned if you like it. You like it. This is a book yeah. that you like. I want you to own it. I want you to love it. Um, whatever I have to say about it, because maybe I have context or maybe because my taste is different, has nothing to do with your taste. If you like this book, I want you right now. I want you right now, Ben. Five minutes. Right now, I'll time you. That's a lot of minutes. How, what do you What do you like about this book? Tell me all, Tell me about it all. I want you to know what you liked about this book. Five right minutes now. is too long. Just go as long as you can. I'll, I don't give a shit. Cool. Right now, Ben, how much time okay. how, how much you, you want? I want you to tell me how, how you like it. Okay, sure. Um, first of all, the easiest thing about that I love about this book is obviously the art. The art is fantastic. Yeah. Um, even like 200 and even going on to the other issues, it is fantastic art. It is absolutely gorgeous. Because one of the things I did remember, because I do remember when I was a kid, I had three issues of Ultimate Spider-Man. I don't know how I got uh, those issues in my possession. I just had them. And it was such a different feel to the other Spider-Man books that I would remember seeing on the shelves, or you know, the Spider-Man cartoon that I grew up loving. And it was it, to me, this felt like this is an, this takes place in the Ultimate Universe. So the art, obviously, I love it. It is great. It is great, great comic book art. Absolutely also, agree with that. I also I I I really like the relationships that Miles has with all the different um, people in Peter's life, i.e., Mary Jane and May. Even like when uh, uh, Gwen Stacy for a hot second, uh, just like him talking to him was like, look, I never knew Peter, but you guys all accepted me and into this family. And even his scene, I know we've been mentioning 200 a lot, but it is part, it is part of the book. And I really loved issue 200. I thought issue 200 was a great way of not just saying goodbye to Peter, but remembering Peter and then trying to shift the focus on Miles. I mean, of course, yeah, we have this whole thing of Peter coming back, which I, t- which now with more context in it, I do agree with Sparks that it should have been more of a Miles book than a Peter book. But it did make me miss Peter. And also, it one things I love about with comic books, especially, is when you read one thing, you want to read other stuff. 
And like this one, I know we've read Ultimate Comics before. We've uh, Sparks picked it as a book club a long time ago. Oh yeah, long, long time, ago. long time ago. But there's just this flair with early Mike Brian Michael Bendis and early Ultimate Comics that just makes me really enjoy it. And I love how things are different, but they're the same. You know, parallel universes and all that jazz. And I also it is Quip Central, but I do love the quips. Like when um when Miles finally gets the courage to tell Katie that he's Spider-Man and Genki is like, don't, yes, no, I'm doing it. No, don't you dare. It's like this great little back and forth. And then when Katie realizes it, yes, she has their breakdown, but also I really like the conversation she has with her sister. It's like, and then her sister's like, oh shit, you need to break up with them right now. And even like a little is the Hydra stuff in this volume or is it the next volume? It's the next volume. The okay. next volume, I think. Got it. Yeah. So uh it, yeah. Contextually, the Hail Hydra thing is also kind of like a oh, okay. Yeah. So sp- spoilers for the next volume. Uh she's part of Hydra. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's weird. It's okay. It's it's, it's really weird. Huh. It's it makes that conversation with her sister make more sense because her sister's like, oh, we gotta kill him. That's like a joke. It's not a joke. I think the thing, I think the thing of like I think what Ben is saying, Ben's got some great points, by the way, but there's a lot to actually like in this volume. And I thought none of none, none of what we were saying was was to invalidate any of that. Um there's this does feel like, well, yes, this is kind of the the sunset of Bendis's kind of heyday. Um, there is kind of a sense of like, oh, that's right. When Bendis was good, he was good. Because you still see Bendis in this. The, the oh, way yeah. he writes dialogue in the dialogue boxes and the phrases of the dialogue boxes has always been really smooth. And like it's always been really like punchy in a in a way that in a way that was really that was really refreshing that got old, admittedly. But like it, it was still kind of reading this like you know what? No one really did anything like this at the time and really doesn't do it do it like this now. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people anyway. And Bendis it's really kind afraid. of fun to hear. Yeah, yeah. Bendis it's, isn't afraid oh. to have a shit ton of dialogue on a, on a page. Yeah. Uh, no, and like, as long as it's good, like again, I'll, I'll I'll read a book. That's why I love Hickman. He puts literally data pages in his comic mm-hmm. Like if it's good, I'll read it. And like Bendis, if he needs to have like a huge conversation that's more about the words and the actual art, he'll do that. Cause like, and most of the time it works. Yeah. One other thing I want to give praise to um, issue 200 for is when Pepper Potts shows up and mm, she has like the whole carry thing and everyone and they're all like all this food by this famous chef and Genki is all like, but I like the papaya hot dogs. Yeah, <laughs> just, but then when they're talking about what what I do love is how this book just still it still brings the spirit of Peter Parker to life. And they're all talking was like. I feel like we need to do something good. We need to do something nice. And then they look around because Aunt May is like, I have way too much food. I I don't know what's going on. I was just, it was a small group of people. What the hell? And then they go to a homeless shelter and they give the food to the homeless. And yeah. it's a really, to food. me, it's like, yeah, they have way too much food. And it's like, what can we do with this? This is something good we can do. We could donate it to the ultimate version of Feast. We can take, and you see this lady giving Miles a bear hug. Because I can only assume that's like the the only, a proper meal she's had in a week or so, and it's a really good emotional scene. And even when everyone's parting ways, and it was just a really good start to this Miles Morales story. And even when Peter does show, because I do agree, the focus does shift from Miles to Peter. And the more I think about it now, the yeah, this is kind of a, a more of a Peter book than a Miles book, which I wish it was the other way around. But when Miles meets Peter, and he's just like, "What the f?" and Peter goes, "Language." I thought it was funny. Yeah. I thought yeah, it was hilarious. And even no, when, when Miles and when Miles goes, 
clone, clone, cloak. It's like clone, clone, clone. He, there's so much cloning in the Ultimate Universe. Oh my god, it's so funny. Uh, and he talks about uh, Jessica Drews, the Black Widow. She's a clone, yeah, I, a Spider. -Man. I forgot that she's Black Widow in this universe, and it brought me back. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, Black Widow is part of the Spider Squad. Hell yeah, I love that. Yeah, I forgot she doesn't go by a Spider Woman. Yeah, yeah, she takes um, over the Black Widow mantle after Black Widow dies. Long after, I think, actually. I wanted to also mention something that Ben that Ben also brought up, which is that uh, Miles's relationship with the other with Peter's uh, supporting family is is really good. Mm -hmm. um, I I really like the scene that Miles when Miles texts Mary Jane and uh, goes to meet her and uh, like when she's uh, off work for a minute. Scares uh, to talk. It scares her. It's really funny. And to talk about that. like when when did Peter tell you? And like have Miles, it was really nice of Miles to have that kind of support system to kind of prevent him from doing this to from being a, a Peter Parker clone to have so he didn't do the same mistakes that Peter Parker would do because he had that supporting cast to be like how did Peter handle this? How would mm -hmm. I handle this? And to kind of like, and to have the supporting cast be like, you're your own Spider-Man. Be that. And I really, and I really, that does come through in this book. And I really, I really like that. It's important, I think, to point out too, that like Bendis, I think Bendis has done the most interesting stuff with the concept of when someone knows Peter Parker's identity and how that affects the relationship. That just isn't stuff that happens in main Marvel. Um, and, like, if you're going to keep up secret identity shit, like, Bendis, both with Peter and Miles, he he really thinks about, like, how does this affect this individual relationship? Like, nobody reacts to the information the same. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, just move things over this unilaterally. Like, it's always a shift. And, like, notably, it was always a surprising thing because in the very first collection of issues, so the first volume of Ultimate Spider-Man, the very beginning... Peter tells MJ almost immediately, like it's in that first volume. He tells her very early. They're not even dating yet. They're just friends. And he tells her. Um, and That's trust. And I think like, yeah, they're, they're best friends, but like it's wild. It's a big shift. And uh, it changes the dynamic of their, what you watch them do for the rest of the series. And um, I think Miles weighing that also and and like the concept of I don't want to be like at a certain point you're a bad person like obviously there's like you gotta trust a person before you tell them something that important mm -hmm. but like at a certain point you become a bad person yeah yeah um I think he took that to uh I think he took that to um with Superman didn't quite work as well um oh sure yeah but I um I, I also want to say I agree with what Ryan said a little bit ago. It's a little while ago now, but um, I also I really love his um, his uh, Goblin Norman Osborn. Um, yeah. I think is really good. He's um, terrifying. Yeah, he's really terrifying. Like when he's in that devil form, and he's like, what does he say? He says, um, and I ha like when he's when Maria when not Maria Hill. It's this other. It's the it's Shield, not Shield, but you know, it's um, Monica Chang. Uh, when she's about to be killed and like they're they're after him and and Norman is just like you let you let me slip through your fingers and I have no pity for you as he transforms and like oh Jesus and also, the art is incredible yeah and I love that Norman's just walking around nude when he's not the goblin yeah. like can I just go a robe <laughs> Jameson he's like oh I don't get cold but if it makes me grow up more comfortable sure he's like um are we on the record it's like oh Jonah I think we all know we're on the record he's like all right cool sweet that. 
And just uh, like the when he pulls out the gun and shoots him, I was like, oh, that's baller, like a baller move. It is um, a good it is a good move. Shout outs. This is probably the origin of uh uh you know immortal Hulk stuff. Hulk can never die. Because you know, mm. Goblin in this universe is one step away from Hulk. Mm. Um, everything was created in the same like attempts to recreate Steve. Yep, that's the concept here. So all the same scientists were working on in the same like labs, just trying slightly different things. One creates the Hulk, one creates Venom, and the other creates the spiders that create Spider-Man and Goblin. <laughs> I like I like that for this universe. Uh, I'm glad Marvel, like the, the MC, the MC, the, the six one six, and like let's try to let's try to merge, let's try to merge everything. Yeah, like, no, not everything has to be connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All. Only it can that's work one really well. Because the early MCU stuff took a lot from the Ultimates universe. Um, yeah, yeah. That's why Hulk was created out of the uh, Super Soldier program, also. Which I think is really cool, and like I think that's a it was a cool like when you are doing this different different interpretation for Ultimate Spider Man because Green Goblin is one of the early villains for mm -hmm. Spider Man in this iteration, I believe, Volume Two. Um, they wanted to make it distinct and the way that they went for this like rage giant monster that's very hulk like but got its own thing going on um that's because he was like one experiment dose away from being the hulk uh for osborne and like that's literally what's on the page and that's why it's so close oh he, he he's he's like a big hulk man he also catches fire what happens when the red hulk gets too angry he also gets really hot yeah and i'm like yeah this is they're, they're the thinking they're slowly they're kind of thinking together a little bit um, um I also so I really and I really like uh you know the stuff of of the venom blast brings Norman kind of back to center um which mm -hmm. he rarely gets to anymore I, I killed point. my son like uh, oh no and and like yeah you after a certain point in the story where he killed Harry um Norman kind of gives himself to the goblin to never have to remember the fact that he killed his son yeah I uh, I know we I criticized the mo I I criticized Peter being back uh, a lot and I probably forever will. However, the scene when he shows up in the battle with Norman yeah. and everyone sees it is very good. Yeah. A, that's a hype page. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, <laughs> hey, hey, Norman. Like you know, I can let a lot of things slide, but you keep beating up the president of my fan club. Now I'm gonna have to beat the ugly off you, and by the looks of you, it's gonna take all night. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I love. Also, I really like. Like real quickly. Sorry, Ben. I just want to highlight. Like, there's so many like great moments of just like shock. Like J. Jonah Jameson, kind of like what the hell. Um, I also really love Ben Ben Ul Ulrich just driving. Like, um, what? <laughs> Because uh, so good. Yeah, dude, he absolutely does. Uh, Marquez yeah, and Ponzer together, like, kill it. Uh, yeah, in that same fight, like when when Peter's there and all the cops are surrounding, he's like, "Here's another idea: put the guns away and everyone back up and go home." And I don't know, go to bed. And it's like that's just really <laughs> silly. Uh, going to a goblin line, I really like when he's talking to Miles and he's like, "Are you here to devote yourself to me or to him? What? I helped birth you into this world, Daddy. Oh, smart mouth, I see. Say no more. You're a disciple of Peter Parker. Then allow me to give you the full Peter Parker package." As he's about to kick his ass, I'm like, "That's that's good. That's some good yeah. shit." Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I just love how when they're when they're about to fight Goblin together for the first time for Miles Morales Spider Man, Peter Parker Spider Man, he's like, "You took my web shooters. They're my web shooters. No, they were a present. Aunt May gave them to me." Yeah. yeah just like yeah. constantly fighting back on who has the web shooters and Miles. The interplay. And even, the the interplay is good, honestly. Like I, I like the way that that Bendis writes the two of them. Um, yeah. It it is really interesting that this is actually the second time that Miles has met Peter Parker because Spider-Man had already come out by this point. And it's referenced in this book that uh, yeah. oh, yeah, he yeah, met yeah. Peter Parker of the, of the 616 timeline. Um, and so like having him be like, 
like the first thing he thinks about isn't clone. It's oh, are you from a another another parallel yeah. dimension? Yeah. This is going to be glad, the first time. I'm glad you brought that up because that's I think another thing that in the grander scheme like undercut the return of Peter Parker because yeah, not even that first. Peter that Peter like from our main universe goes around and encounters all these people in living in the aftermath of the death of their Peter Parker and like Aunt May and everything. And you do all that shit going through that with those characters. And it's like, we don't need Peter Parker back when we've done a story like this. Yeah. They yeah. all got to tell that Peter about what that Peter meant to them. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. That Spider-Man book is you good. Yeah. You yeah. It's a good book. You, you don't need this Peter Parker revival when you had them kind of have a closure esque moment yeah, with yeah. meeting Peter from another universe. And like, what would he have grown up to be? Oh, he kind of would have been this guy. Yeah. Uh, Can't pay his bills. <laughs> um, I don't like the Bugman crime thing either because it really doesn't add anything to the story, but I do like the paneling. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 A lot of the art stuff uh, in this book in general is really good and that one in particular. They just fizzle out in this book. Like, there's no real conclusion. All it is, all it really feels like it's there for is to put Peter and Miles in trouble with the police immediately when they show up because, yeah. you know, for some reason, cops can't tell the difference in those two costumes. Yeah. Everyone's labeling that labeling them as the Spider-Man, and I'm like, they they're like bug. They men. don't look the same. They, they look like if, ultra. They look like Common Rider. Like yeah, what they are look we doing? more like Ant Man or Common Rider. Absolutely. If, if I um, may, Sparks, yeah. when I was reading Please. that, and they're like, oh, it might be these Spider-Man or do crimes together. It's like, why does this feel a lot like Sonic Adventure Two when they're like, oh, it's Sonic. It's like he, that shadow. That's red that's and black. Color. One is that's blue and the Sonic. other one's carrying a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the difference. One is blue and the other is carrying a gun. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say black. <laughs> <laughs> it's not racist. Sega's racist. Oh, that's okay. true. <laughs> anyway. Something oh I wanted to look like that's we can all acknowledge. Like, choices were made. They weren't good ones. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, that, one of my favorite things so, so something Bendis does really well um, that I think works really well and they're like they don't need to sing voices they're bit characters they're there for like one or two pages at most um, I don't need them to feel like they're all like these distinct characters and everything so he kind of reuses like a lot of personalities of how he'll do this kind of thing but I love characters like this, which is the security guy who had been monitoring Norman Osborne and then signs him over. And he's like, well, since I no longer work for this, I can tell him exactly what I think of him killing Peter <laughs> Parker. Punches him right in the face. Yes. I really like... I wait, so wait. Congratulations. You're taking this, you're taking yeah. this off my hands? You now own one Norman Osborne. Good yep. luck. Make sure to keep yeah. him on his meds. Make sure to keep him on his meds. You won't like him off his meds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just... it. Yeah, so when everyone was talking about it, I was like, oh, is Norman Osborn dead? I, I do apologize for constantly referencing other comic books when stuff like this comes to mind. But, like, when they see Norman Osborn, like, they're like, I thought he died. He's like, nah, he didn't die. He's, you know, that. And he's just, like, you know, locked up, chained, and he's just, he can't move. It well, because it's, it's a big reveal, right? Real quick, sorry, real quick, it's like. Because at this point, Norman hasn't been in this book, and so, and everyone thought he died when when Spider Man died, and then all of a sudden he's alive. Like you reveal Norman's alive before you reveal Peter's alive, and actually that's a really effective reveal. And I wish it was mm -hmm. just that. I wish it was yeah. just Norman was alive. Mm -hmm. Sorry, uh, and to, to get back to my analogy, it was like when they found out Doomsday was still alive after he killed Superman. Yeah, mm -hmm. very similar. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not to say that he's stealing from from DC Comics because you know it's a very common trope that you think the villain's gone, but then a few issues later, it's like, no, he's not dead, and you know, right. uh, you know, comic book tropes. But I no, there do is a similar, like there is a similar trajectory actually. Just to give you a little bit of credit there. There's a similar trajectory of the, like the death and return of Superman. The timeline of Superman's return and Peter Parker's return in the Ultimate Universe is very is much is very different. Um, and they didn't intend to keep Superman dead um, when they when they did kill him. But like it is yeah. it is kind of a similar trajectory of like yeah this big climactic battle killed the greatest superhero of the war in the world and its most formidable villain. And then the reveal that both of them are actually alive um, yeah. is there. There's a parallel there. I would not be surprised if that was a little if there was inspiration there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just like the whole Norman Osborn bit, like when he's saying you're going to burn, it's just very like um, you're going to burn. Very, it, it's it's very shorthanded because I can only imagine he can't move his mouth because, you know, he's locked up in the but I do drugged. like that. Yeah, it's drugged. And I really like how that security guard, he's like, I'm no longer a deputized member of S.H.I.E.L.D. Smack. My my favorite panel is the is the the middle one of the first page where he's just like, now he's your responsibility? And he's just excited. Yeah. Like, he's really happy. He's like, I don't want to do it's this like, anymore. It's like this guy who just got off his horrific job at, or this got off his the worst shift at work. And he's like, ha. He's like flipping him off as he's walking away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what I also think Bendis does really well, and to my memory, this is throughout the tenure that he writes Miles. He's very good at thinking about all of Miles' new abilities that make him different from Peter. That yeah. the Venom Blast, yeah, yeah. the invisibility. Oh, yeah. He utilizes them well. He thinks about them a lot. He he's always trying to figure out like would miles use this in this scenario um like what can miles do to get out of this oh he has these abilities he needs to think about at least trying to use them if if not using them outright uh and i and i think bendis does a really good job of incorporating them yeah and and it was so smart to not just make him another spider-man to give another power set because now we've seen uh in spider-man 2 the game he's like he's like a nuclear bomb at this point. You, know, you played Miles Morales, Ben. You see the shit he can do in that game. He's he's oh, yeah. a walking nuke, right? He's he's like more powerful yeah. than Peter at this point. <laughs> and in the comics, that dude is now channeling it into <laughs> swords, into like like thunder fists, and like he's like he's really become a dude. I'm telling you, this new run's freaking dope. And the, I think I know the what my next thing book is, is then. well, the other the other thing is that you know, um, he he didn't have web shooters in the beginning. Like he the very like the first couple of issues. I think for a little while, honestly, um, he like couldn't the first volume. He couldn't swing, and so like that was like because he didn't have the the web fluid, and uh, and he I, hadn't met, I th- he hadn't met and talked to Aunt May yet. Yeah, and I think that that was really smart of Bendis to start this Spider Man with a new power set without the ability to swing. Um, I, I to to bounce what you're talking about, Sparks. One of my one thing that I really like is that jolt that he gives Norman at the end there. Um, hold on, what what was this line? What was this line when he hits him with the with the mailbox? Um, oh, this, that is for Peter Parker. Um, but he he taps him on the ankle, and Peter's like, "That was a good tap you gave him, Miles." Wait, wait for it. <laughs> yeah, nice, little, nice little poke you gave him there. Wait for it. Yeah. I I I love a good wait for it. I love it. And he like I really like the the face that Norman makes at at the in the bottom panel, just the. Yes, yeah. like has, has right. great impressions. Like you, yeah. you always know what the people are feeling or, or like or or thinking. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I think ultimately, ultimately, I don't, uh, It's not. It's it, it, 
I was I can't, we I think we all started this book this book club pretty pretty harsh and it only because like at this time it was a misstep to do to bring back Peter Parker and but there's good stuff in this book in this volume yeah. specifically there's a lot of great character interactions Miles is still a fun character to read um it the artwork is incredible as always as Brian has been shouting out forever as he should Dave Marquez is an incredible artist um yeah, it's, it's there's stuff to like in this volume it's just I, not I, as reader friendly to be like this if i want to watch if i want to read a miles morales book where do i go that's, it's not this one that's that's, the thing. that's the thing this is the first solo miles book and yeah. it's not even barely about him and that's just like i think this is a well-made book i think it's just a misguided book yeah, yeah. And, and i think it was just it's misguided from like a lot of angles whether it's the focus on peter parker or the fact that like the premature ending the the impending like ending of the ultimate universe that meant like maybe we just should have gone a different way about all of this to begin with yeah um it it, it and it, it's more just in the context of the grander ultimate spider-man story um there's a lot better jumping in points there's a lot better arcs that aren't so bogged down by like many different factors that are coming at this one um doesn't change the fact that it is still good. Like Bendis still knows how to treat this world and these characters overall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we haven't really gotten into it as much, but um, the very ending of this volume with Jameson uh, oh, and, yeah. and Norman uh, very fall, the house of Usher. Mm, yeah. uh, are we on the record? I think, you know, we are. And, um, and him, Jameson getting to the point, he's like, so you're, you're not done finding you're going to keep going and he's like of course uh and not until every last one of them burns by my and norman's looking up and sees the gun shock and shot yeah and it's so again that art page is so good because jameson and norman both have so many different facial expressions and they're all so readable and again going back to like that jameson arc which i really love um he's been carrying this weight about what he put peter through and ultimately feels like ultimately. he had nothing to do with peter's death i'll tell you that but he feels like he did. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And he feels partially responsible, even though it had nothing to do with him. And uh, so he bringing that to this table and he's like, this is the person that killed Peter Parker. I won't let this go on. Um, and, and shooting him really, really effective. Absolutely. Turn for Jameson. Mm -hmm. um, just not where you, again, the kind of thing you're not going to get in the main Marvel universe right. yeah. is a, is a, in bathrobes confrontation between Jameson and Norman where Jameson shoots him. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I don't even think they have bathrobes in 616. That's so true. They only have sonic showers. They don't need them. <laughs> um, stay tuned for that joke to pay off, I guess. Um, it already did. Is it, is it the episode that's out already? Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else you guys want to bring up? No, I think... I think I think this is a well-made book, but again, like if you want to read Miles Morales, just jump into the modern stuff. I think I think this is bogged down by like, especially if you haven't read you, the Ultimate or if Universe. Or you want to go back to like when Miles was created, you got it. You have to do the death of Peter Parker, the Fallout, and the stuff that comes right after. Absolutely, that. yeah. That's if you want to see Miles' creation, you got to do the homework. You got to go there. Yeah. If you okay. want to just find a good jump-on point for Miles, do it in the modern Marvel era, um, where he's in the main world. Yeah. Um, uh, don't don't go back here. <laughs> Um, don't go back here unless you're willing to invest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that'll do it. Um, uh, ben? We'll definitely, I don't know when it's not going to be the next thing I pick, but one day, Ben, we'll do, we'll do the death yeah. of Peter Parker in the fallout. I, and we'll also do ultimate six 
because I, I really like how much you guys like Norman. And let me tell you, that was when Norman went full mask off to the world. Mask he off. led the Sinister Six to take down the Ultimates and storm the Capitol. I remember that. Oh, I remember that shit. volume. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Ben, good pick. Good discussion. Actually went longer than I thought this would. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Ryan, it's your turn next time. Whenever Hi, that, friends. In the next couple of weeks. It is me. I'm going back to my favorite, not just character, but also one of my favorite writers. Um, we are going to explore uh, the many lives of Dr. Doom. And we're going to read Christopher Cantwell's and Salvador Roca's and Guru EFX's Dr. Doom miniseries. Now, here's the thing. This is a green screen, so that's why it's doing this. This this is a 10-issue miniseries. So I am asking you to read 10 issues. But we have weeks to do it. So please don't wait to the last minute if you don't think you can do it. 10 issues is not that different from six issues, really. Uh, I didn't want to do half half the volume because just like this book, I think like this Miles Morales book, like you really need to read all of it. To, like I think it leaves you in a bad spot with volume one. So it's 10 issues. It's a full, complete story. It is my favorite. Like It's like the best modern Doctor Doom shit in the world. There's like Kang stuff. Um, with the MCU, how it is like Kang might be replaced with Doctor Doom. And there are, there are ways you can really easily mix that together and make it work over the next couple of years. In uh, in this is one book that that kind of tackles it. So uh, Doctor Doom, I love it. Christopher Cantwell can't do any wrong. Now, is it is the ten issues collected in one volume or is it collected in two volumes? I assume it's collected in two volumes, but like I don't want you to read half a story because it, it no, is. Absolutely. It's only 10 I was issues. just I was just curious because we normally like just promote these as volumes. So I was just curious. Yeah, if yeah, yeah. like. It is oh, it, right, the complete. It, they they sell a complete a complete series too. So oh well then there you go. Um, also, oh. real quick, sorry. If you want to buy this Miles Morales entire run, uh, it is on sale on Amazon for like fifteen bucks, and you get you get a bunch of Ultimate issues. You get Ultimate two hundred, and you get one through twelve of this volume for like fifteen bucks. So if you want to get this book on Amazon and get all of it, it's really cheap. Nice. Uh, we are not sponsored by Amazon, but that's a good deal. Nope. Um, yeah. Right. That'll do it, guys. Uh, stay tuned for the next time. The next. Um, oh, should I? Well, yeah, in the coming weeks, take, take uh, be on the lookout for Wasted Space Volume Five. Um, that'll be that'll be um in the in wrap the next up. couple of weeks for sure to kind of finally uh, wrap up that book, which we are very excited to do because that's a pretty good book. Make sure to go back if you haven't already to listen to the episodes we've done of that already. True. true. Um. All right. So that'll do it, guys. So you know, guys, the strike's over for now uh we'll see but um uh, for, but we are starting to release um some of the things that we uh, have withheld for the strike so be sure to go to victorpodcast.com to see what all that is and what's kind of coming brown where you can find it all uh subscription links all that can be found on that website uh Fichtner's watch uh Fichtner cinephiles uh animation stations uh, which i don't think we actually held any animation stations um and uh all the like just stay tuned for a bunch of stuff that's probably going to come out Unless they go back on strike, in which case we hold it again. We're actually going to remove episodes. Um, can you imagine? Just start removing things. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, of course, you can also check out our Patreon and a public if you like to support us financially. Um, I greatly appreciate all that support. That's all on our website or linked below. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fictive Podcast. Uh, I'm a BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for AtomicKeekdom.com. Ben, where can people find you? Well, they can find me at benmaga 27 on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Threads. And they can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com, and playing Mary Frankenstein in D&Dark. Sparks? Uh, you can find me 
editing away at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter. S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. And Ryan. You can find me um, whipping around at the speed of sound at DJ Tony Snark all over the internet. I'm so surprised how well that works. Uh, subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. Write and review wherever you get us. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Until next time you see us, guys. Stay fake nerds. <laughs>